Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Severland, Alabama, Parade First Team All-American, Rivals five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, please stand and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I feel like you're going to have to start saying five foot eight sophomore because that's false advertising. Okay, I can do that. <laughs> you know, I, I asked one time yeah. after age of 2021, you're like, nah, keep doing no, it. No, keep doing it. Okay. Keep doing it. Okay. Well, guys, we're, we're excited to be in Mobile, Alabama today. I am staying in Orange Beach, Alabama. I finally came to the realization that... Uh, if I'm going to come down here 30, 45 minutes from the beach, why not stay at the beach? So uh, that's what we're doing this week. You just I, haven't got caught in traffic yet coming well, here. Well, <laughs> I, I, did, I did this morning, and the, the, the voice that I have on Waze said, you are about to get stopped in traffic. You're going to be pissed off. That's exactly. <laughs> no I, way. It's my voice. I recorded all my own voice. Really? Uh, own Waze. Really? So, so when I recorded all the left turn, right turn, stop, all that stuff, I, I put a little Scott Howell spin on it. I'm going to so, put Joe Pesci on mine. <laughs> it, said, it said, you're about to get caught in traffic. You're going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was as I was going over the, I guess, at the Mobile Bay Bridge. Is that right? The coming Bay into, Way. Yeah, the coming Bay into Mobile. Way. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I hit a little traffic there. Very, but, very high point of political discussion right now, oh, which really? we will not talk about. Okay, okay. Guys, our mission on this podcast every week is to help you insurance agents in any way we can. We have an in-studio guest today, and I'm about to introduce him. But before we do, I just want to tell him again how blessed and honored we are to have him on the podcast. He is originally born in Chicago, Illinois, grew up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and currently lives in Daphne, Alabama. Uh, He is the chef and owner at, at a place called Panini Pete's, and he has a beautiful wife who... Don't want to get emotional and start crying here, but uh, I am fully capable of that. Has uh, has, has just beaten about with breast cancer and uh, has won that fight. And he has two beautiful children, his son Arnold and his daughter Isabella. And, and I know he's extremely proud of them as well. Uh, let, let, I want to read something as part of his intro uh, before we get started today. So, And, and before I officially introduce him. In a few short years, Panini Pete has become a local favorite due to his commitment to put real food in his food and has never met a stranger approach to hospitality. Guys, little hint there about what we're going to be talking about today. And, and some of the best guests we've had have been right. outside of the insurance industry Absolutely. and then we we apply it for right. it. Panini Pete's handcrafted chef-driven sandwiches and burgers have made his brand one to watch. Recently voted the number one sandwich shop in Alabama, the beignets have also launched this concept to new heights, garnering a host of positive media attention and rave reviews, not to mention a regular on the Food Network over the past 10 years. Panini Pete's has been featured on diners, drive-ins, and dives, the best of diners, drive-ins, and dives, Guy's Big Bite, Guy's Grocery Games, and Guest Judge on Food Truck Wars with Tyler Florence. Ladies and gentlemen, please stand and welcome the other incomparable Mr. Panini Pete. How are you, sir? Woo-woo! 
Woo! I'm doing great. What an intro. Oh, man. I'm proud to do it, brother. Yeah, you're, I, this podcast is going downhill in no, a hurry. Well, <laughs> in I, a hurry. I, don't, I don't think it is. In fact, I would say having someone like you that understands your particular industry as well as you do, what works, what doesn't work, what you know, how to be successful, and arguably one of the toughest industries in the world to be successful in because Absolutely. any bank will tell you, that people walk in every day going, hey, I got this great idea. I want to open up a restaurant. And banks go, mm, 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 That's exactly that. what they do. Um, but uh, I've always heard, you don't, don't ever walk into a bank and tell them you want to open a restaurant or a gym and, and, bar, and borrow a bunch of money because they're going to be like, yeah, no thanks. But um, today, Pete, we're going to talk a little bit about personal branding the things that you've done in your restaurants and you, you are owner or, or, or part owner in a ton of different restaurants and how that has impacted your business and, and kind of try to tie the two in between the restaurant business and the insurance business. So, so go back Absolutely. and go, go back and tell us just a little bit about what you've done to be successful in your particular industry. I'll tell you what, you know, what we do is, is first and foremost, what's your product? You right. got to make sure you have a solid product is it what when and what can you bring? What right. can you offer to the to the uh, public uniquely or to your clientele? So for me, it's all about you know I just had a commitment to great food, like we said, putting real food. I love that when people would say, "Man, this stuff's so good, it's so good." I said, well, we put real food in our food. You know, <laughs> we still we still do that, and consistency, like anything else, you know, doing all you can to create less friction with your customers right. and create a great experience for us. It's that short window. Mm-hmm. That um, we have to entertain them, we have to feed them, we have to provide a, a safe environment and, and a consistent hospitality. Let them know we appreciate them spending their money. And um, to be able to do that at a high level consistently is very difficult. We have a lot of moving parts, a lot of people. So the culture you create mm-hmm. in your company is huge, you know, and, and just beating that drum day in and day out. So, you know, those are the things we focus on constantly. I've got a thousand questions for you. I could I literally I swear I could sit here and I could sit here and talk to you. I'm not kidding until three o'clock this afternoon. So I'm gonna try to keep the most important thing the most important thing. Great. First first and foremost, so you live in Daphne. Right on. You have ownership percentages. I, I I'm sure sometimes you do you ever have a partner? Is it all yeah, just, just you? You know, recently I have brought in a partner too. I have a great guy, Nick DeMario, who's my director of operations. Mm-hmm. And I cut him in on the last two. So he he is a partner in Ed Seafood Shed as well as uh, Squid Inc. And then I have a great friend, Robert Kabakoff. You talk about surrounding yourself with good people. I went to culinary school with him in the eighties up in New York. We've stayed good buddies. He's a phenomenal chef, phenomenal consultant. You know, he actually is is planning his exit strategy and wanted to participate. So he's a partner in a couple of them, too. So Panini Pizza I own exclusively and uh, Sunset Point. And then as we're growing, you know, you sometimes you can afford, and it's smart to share right. some equity. Mm-hmm. So, so how do you manage your time relative to each restaurant <laughs> and, how, and how much time you're giving – each restaurant to to make sure that that all the processes are being followed and the foods meeting your standard. And the other thing that I've always wanted to ask that that, that spins off of that hashtag Panini Pete travels or PP tra- PP adventures PP adventures. <laughs> he travels like as much as Gary Vaynerchuk does. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So com- compounded with that, you know, right. how do you manage everything? Because like we talked on the last podcast with Kagan Hansen is you know any business, but especially like an insurance agency. And actually we compared it to a restaurant. Right. It, it's a ton of moving parts. So 
Absolutely. I mean, and early on, one of the things I learned, you know, it kind of segues into managing time and where you need to be as well as when you have other opportunities was you have to share your vision and you have to share your, you know, cooking is easy. You know, if you got it up here, if you got a good attitude and you got some heart, mm-hmm. we can teach you the technique. Um, and a lot of people aren't willing to do that in, in a lot of industries, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's job security or just personal insecurity. And and to create systems, to create consistencies, to try to do really good at what you do, you know, it takes discipline in things that you may not be great at. Mm-hmm. We're forming some standards and, you know, whether it's recipe guidelines. There's a lot of things mm-hmm. that as a chef, you get so ego-driven and chefy where only I can do this and, you know, I, I have to mm-hmm. cook this and season to taste and your palate's terrible. And, you know, the more I realize that the more you can get somebody to the finish line, the closer they're going to be. So. Right. You know, after we did, we were featured on the Food Network 11 years ago in the original Panini Pete's. And Guy and I just hit it off. We right. just had a blast. And uh, I just started getting invited to stuff. Right. And fortunately, I had laid a foundation where I could leave for a few mm-hmm. days. And I had great leadership and people that mm-hmm. I trusted and empowered and helped train mm-hmm. to do things properly and mm-hmm. got them engaged in always the end result, too. This is for the customer. It's not just mm-hmm. because I'm a pain mm-hmm. in the butt. Right. You know, it's because we want to do good for our guests. And creating those systems and that structure to, to try to recreate, you know, you're only as good as your last plate in our industry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for an $8 panini, you know, you need to sell a whole heck of a lot of those every day to, to make things work. So really trying to continually inspire people. is We do manage putting out fires and mm-hmm. stuff. You mm-hmm. know, that's very important. There's a lot of labor. People come and go. So right now we're getting ready to launch a new concept, Squid Ink, tomorrow on 102 Dolphin Street, which is awesome. So I'm spending a lot of time so that, there. that launch is tomorrow? Yes, sir. Tomorrow. Okay. okay. So, so, so tomorrow night, is that going to be a dinner with uh, specific people invited to – to, for the opening, no, we, uh, he's we trying open, to get him. We, in yeah, yeah, you see, we, we open to the public. myself no, into that. We, we opened Monday to, I mean, uh, Wednesday to the public. Yeah, we actually um, last night did a little bit of a dry run with uh-huh. a few folks involved, and and I hate you guys weren't there, but in the mix of it all, I definitely should have should have had you oh, guys. No. You know, we did some samples and yeah. some tastings, and right. you know, just kind of get the get a few reps in, right? You know, and uh, so tomorrow we go live, you know, to the public lunch right. and dinner and cocktails, and it's going to be chaos. But I think it's important. We go to a lot of these conferences or uh-huh. insurance conferences, and you talk to these people, and they're like, oh, "I got to get back to the office," and it, and they ha- they have that pull, you mm-hmm. know. And even I've struggled with that a lot. To only go into one day of Elevate because I had to get back, but I, I know it's probably like one of the most important things you do is have those proper people in place. Did it take you a little while? Because, like you said, you know, the chef's mentality of only I can do this. You know, I know so many business owners that have such a problem delegating. Yes. It, did it take you a while to get to that point, or, or what advice would you give people in order to do that? You know, not only did it take time to get to that point, but it also took time for me to realistically develop the right tools to help mm-hmm. get to that point. Because when I had people with me early on, I said, "Okay, you know, if you stay here long enough, you're going to learn everything." But right now, I need you to be the aioli ninja. You're right, going to be right. the Yoda of gorgonzola right. bread, whatever. And I would teach them these little things. And it's a recipe. I'd say it's kind of like a roadmap that'll get you to the neighborhood. But if you want to get to the right street, to the right address to the door, you got to follow me, and I'll show you, and I'll teach you how I want that pepper on the backside and all these little things. And I realized that you know it was working. But as I started to grow the business, I'm ambitious. I do not like sitting on the sidelines, you know, being comfortable. I like being out playing in traffic, getting my teeth kicked in and getting knocked on my ass. And, you know, so I could have stayed at Panini Pete's and had a very comfortable living. But instead, I decided to grow, which 
all of a sudden you've got to pay managers and mm-hmm. things you, you lose money. Mm-hmm. And uh, but then all of a sudden that person that I developed and I nurtured and I mentored, now he's teaching the next guy. Mm-hmm. Now that guy's teaching the next guy, you know, 12, 14 years later. So you realize that if you don't have better systems in place and I'm not the one mentoring everybody, mm-hmm. you know, I've got to tighten up, man. I do right. need to say, and it needs two tablespoons of salt and, right. you know, one tablespoon of fresh cracked pepper, and here's the grind. And so those were things that I really had to learn. And again, it was ambitious. And I was happy because um, getting the opportunities, you talk about whether it's going to seminars, being hungry to feed yourself mm-hmm. and grow from different perspectives. You think, what can I learn from insurance guys? It's amazing what you can learn because that's an industry. So many of us know nothing about, right. and we need to be properly covered. Mm-hmm. And the bigger you become in business, the more good insurance you need. Right. You know, you you don't know till something bad happens, and you can be wiped out. That's right. So let me ask you another question: A city like Mobile, known for food, known for great food, some great restaurants here in Mobile. I would make the assumption, possibly wrongly so, <laughs> that the number of wait staff servers. Uh, that's kind of a uh, lot, a lot of those people out there, but it's kind of also a small community of people to draw from. Is, is it, or is, or do you have like, you know, people beating down your door to wait on tables and be servers and, or is it kind of, you got to go over here and steal from this guy to get that great server to come to your restaurant? How does that work? It's, it's so it's competitive. It's, there's a huge disparity. I mean, we're all, I have tons of friends in the business that run businesses, own businesses and, and restaurateurs. And we are all, you know, struggling to stay even, you know, moderately, almost adequately staffed. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody that sits back and goes, Hey, there's once in a while, you know, I remember my chef Tyler and, and Panini Peace was going, man, I got the A team. Everything's great. I got the perfect guys. Say, awesome. Enjoy it. Cause that too will pass. Right. Right. And you know, because f- for us, it's not necessarily a career. It's people in college right. or people say, nice, nice gig, and yeah. they don't stick around, you know. So mm. you know you're going to have that turnover. Right. It's a stepping stone. It's I need a little cash. I need extra cash for right. this. So they're going to come wait tables or cook. And and is the key to be slightly overstaffed? If you can, I mean, you, uh, you know, I'd love to say that's the key, but I'm telling you, it's almost impossible to do. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. always hired and we're always looking for good folks. You know, you're always looking to coach people up and, you know, sometimes you can't find a good, say you want a good saute cook or that guy's been jaded in this industry and he mm-hmm. comes in with a bad attitude. And even if he's got a skill set, the culture so important. Right. Yeah. So a lot of times it's better to coach him up in our business, yep. you know, take that guy that's a prep cook or a dishwasher or a bus boy mm-hmm. and teach him, take him to the next level. Mm-hmm. Right. My, my wife runs a really successful insurance agency and she's hired... I think, I think 17 people in two years. She doesn't currently have 17, but that's how many she's hired. And the only people she's fired are people with experience. <laughs> Literally everybody she's got, and she has a rock star team, right. are people who were brand new, and she coached them up. Wow. It, it's amazing what you can do. Our general manager of the new place, um, Gable Jackson, awesome former Marine, came in as a waiter right. four years ago at Sunset Point right. and just hustled, great right. attitude, listened, learned, Pushed himself into you know uncomfortable places. We right. put them behind the bar. We we have a high level of mixology there, yeah. and we require them to invest in themselves with mm-hmm. bar smarts and online courses, and moved up and management, you know, so on and so forth. He's the GM of the new place, man. Mm-hmm. In four That's years, awesome. so you're the face of the organization, and and <laughs> sad to say, well, and, the and, face and the pants because he has on some very colorful pants. Absolutely. So 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 much has changed relative to the internet and different apps that 
you know, you go to tomato.com or whatever and see who, where the best restaurants are near you and things like that. Tell us a little bit about what you've done personally in the last five years or so to build your personal brand and, and, and the uh, restaurants, pers- the, the brand for the restaurant as well online. And I'll how t- has that benefited? Yeah, I tell you, your online presence is is so important now, especially in our industry because people mm-hmm. go there, they use their phones, right. you know. Period, and and bet- the rating sites, all yeah. those things. I don't obsess over them, but I understand that it, they're important. Right. You know, for me, um, you know, Panini Preet that's just started off as a name for a restaurant, and you know, I just set out to, to open my own place. I've been right. trying for years, and it evolved, and then it all of a sudden kind of turned into. A brand turned into an identity, and you know most people that you know say, "Hey, Pete Bloom's coming." Who's that? You know they don't know, but Panini P. Oh, it's Panini P. Right, right. Food Network was so huge in that because the exposure on a show like Diners, Drivings, and Dives is just massive. Uh-huh. And then the opportunities that opened because I had laid a good foundation. Uh-huh. Um, it led to me doing food and wine fest with Guy, doing road shows, live shows everywhere, doing more and more things. And um, the Mess Lords came of that. You know I co-founded a group called the Messers. We go out and cook for the military mm-hmm. and boost morale through food all over right. the world. Right. So in the last 10 years, you know, that's kind of where the Panini Pete Adventures has come yeah. from. Like I've cooked beignets in Bahrain and Japan right. and on aircraft carriers in Spain and Italy and Djibouti and Bucharest. Awesome. I don't even know. It's crazy. So, But putting that stuff out there, a lot of times you go, oh, this is stupid or what's it going to look like? I don't know. And I don't do a great job of it. I don't think I do a very good job of it. You know, and I have other people go, oh, you're an internet, you know, you're a social media guru. And I'm like, really? Well, you're just documenting what's happening. Yeah, just trying to do that. And um, and something like your brand and diners, drive-ins and dives, being associated with Guy, it builds you a ton of leverage in the marketplace. Absolutely. And that's what I tell agents all the time is, is build your brand, even if you're not like people. A lot of people rag on me here in the last six months because I'm going a little bit more motivational, a little bit more. I'm geared towards other agents rather than trying to sell insurance. I'm like, mm-hmm. I got the insurance part down. We right. can, we, I can, I can get people into the business till insurance. I'm building my brand to build leverage in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. In terms of, hey, let's say I don't want to run an agency anymore. I want to go do something else. I can flip, and I've got all that that brand equity. And so it's kind of the same thing with you. It's like it may not necessarily be able to be to get people in the restaurant, even though it does by default. Right. But you kind of have that name where if Panini Pete's somewhere, it's it's not Pete. It's oh my God, it's Panini Pete, right? Absolutely. I mean, that that kind of thing grows. And I don't, you know, again, taking advantage of that, I really do a poor job of it. But, you know, I've done speaking engagements and I, I do appearances and I'm out in Vegas doing demos and different things. And that's like crazy. They, You know, indirectly, they do put butts in the seats and they're and they're huge branding. But taking that that leverage, you know, the biggest thing is you got to back it up. You have to you have to stay committed to your mm-hmm. business. You know, getting exposed on that show was huge. And I would be crazy to say that hasn't made a massive, you know, difference in my career. But I have to back it up every day yep. to really make it worthwhile. I mean, out of the thousands of restaurants that have been featured on that show, you know, how many of them have either grown their brand, you know, been on multiple shows, you know, guy even came he did diners, drivings and dives at my Sunset mm-hmm. Point location, yep. all these different things. You go, 
I want to be that guy that says, okay, I've done 35 shows with him. I've done this and that. How did I do that? Well, I do a good job. I don't just say I'm going to be the funny the guy. Substance. I want to be on TV. I put out good food and good yeah. hospitality. So do your job there's, well. There's probably some people who have had the same, same scenario but had nothing to back it up. It was all style and no substance. Yeah. Absolutely. I see it all the time in people mm-hmm. that get that sizzle or they think, I just need to be on Food Network and I'll be huge. And, and you gotta 90% be good. of the time, they are so wrong. Yeah. You know? yeah. So I've got a question. I've always wanted to ask somebody like you that has been in the food industry for a long time. You go to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, home, home of the University of Alabama Crimson Tide. There is a restaurant there called Dreamland. Yes, sir. Which, which has been franchised. Uh, we have one in Huntsville, Alabama as well. But when you go to Tuscaloosa, Dreamland is, is a, it's a staple. It, it's, it's a known commodity People who have never been to Tuscaloosa always want to go to Dreamland and get ribs. And it's in the middle of nowhere. You have to drive, I believe it's down University, south of town, and then start taking a bunch of back roads to get up to it. And it's in a little old bitty house that's smaller than the, probably smaller than the house I live in, which I only have a 1,200 square foot house. But my question to all of that is, as a professional in this business for as many years as you've been in it and the experience that you have, does location really matter, or do, could you go out here like the Ten Top place? I believe where where is it at in uh, uh, Bon Secours, Bon yeah. Secours, which is in the middle of nowhere. Yes, and, and parking lots full every time you go, or it used to be. I haven't been there in a few years. Does, does location really matter, or is it the quality of food? I mean, it's both. But it, don't kid yourself. Location is huge. I okay. mean, places like Dreamland, you know, Florabama, these iconic places right. that are unicorns that that's you just wish like right that guy's selling you know right. a philly cheesesteak and they're lying down the block <laughs> right, right right and i got uh-huh. seven different kinds of bread and i'm roasting my own meats i'm, I'm making it too hard but <laughs> right you know sometimes it's just that perfect storm uh-huh. yeah where you know i mean bear bryant took yeah. media guys there in right. the 70s right. and, and that once you become iconic yeah you know just maintain it you know right. don't rest on your laurels but that's hard to do like you said they have franchises now yeah. right you know location panini pete's you know in the french quarter that had been five different restaurants mm-hmm. in the previous 10 years mostly closed it's a, it's a good location in downtown Fairhope so to speak but it's also mm-hmm. in a black hole back there it was at the time right and I had to grind 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 you know to bring people back there and uh-huh. now they come and go this is awesome and what a beautiful uh-huh. location it's perfect no wonder you're successful I'm like the last five restaurants stunk it up in here so right, right. you have to have the product and you have to do it and locate I could move Panini Pete's tomorrow out on Section Street or out on Fairhope Avenue and probably mm-hmm. do 35 percent more in business wow. and I think because could... then you get to walk in right traffic you don't get people right. saying I am going to Dreamland down right. those four dirt right. roads right. and all that stuff exactly. and pass the dogs you know exactly but I think you have to know like look okay it's not just location but it's not just food. I think some people probably would put too much weight on the food, mm-hmm. but then if you don't have butts and chairs, it doesn't matter. Right. And if you get butts and chairs, but you don't have the food, mm-hmm. it's the same thing, right? Absolutely. Like even in any business, you know, exposure is great. If there's, but there's places on Fairhope Avenue and Dolphin Street that go out of business too. Right, right. Great location. They're going to get a good look. Right. They got a greater chance of success. But they still have to have the product. You right. still got to back your, back it up with great food and service. I mean, it's a lot like the insurance business. You know, I tell our people all the time: the person that gets off the damn couch and gets to take takes off their jammies. They've been watching the prices ride all morning. They go in there. They get in the shower. They do their hair. They get in their car. They drive ten fifteen miles from wherever they are, and they're you know wasting gas to get to our office. That person 
takes precedence over whoever's calling on the phone unless it is a dire emergency when they walk in the door. I've been saying this for years. When that son of a bitch gets out of his jammies and gets ready and goes and wastes his gas in his car to come down to our agency, that is a big damn deal. That's huge. And for you guys, tonight, did you say tonight was opening night? Yeah. Uh, No, tomorrow. Tomorrow night. That's a big damn deal. Absolutely. Because every single person there is going to leave with an internal dialogue of how that experience went, and that will determine when and how often they come back. And not to mention the fact they're about to go tell 100 people oh, about it. Oh, yeah. And if they had a bad time, they're going to tell about 5,000. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and it, and it's one of those, you know, I like the parallels between the food industry and the insurance industry because mm-hmm. in the food industry, it's impossible to make everybody happy. Right. And we kind of feel the same way. Right. Even if we do make somebody happy, they still freaking hate insurance. Oh, yeah. Right. And right. customer service, you guys, you know, uh, I could sit down with you and we hash out all the policies I need. Say a property, you know, when I did the Ed Shed deal, we're on the causeway. You know, you need a lot of insurance there. Right. right. But, you know, eight months later when a storm's coming, I'm going, we were just, what about business interruption? Where am I with this? Mm-hmm. Well, you don't, I don't remember all right. that stuff. I don't. Right. So, you know, being able to pick up the phone and have somebody walk you through it and talk you through it. And then yeah. every year, not just go, oh, renewal. Where is he at now with his business? Mm-hmm. What would better suit mm-hmm. his needs? Yep. Because that's huge. And I mean, I've I've had people that have lost insurance because they're giving me terrible customer service. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I feel like I'm not even demanding. I'm not that customer sitting there going, can I get a straw? Can I get an extra napkin? Can I get some more? And they run you back and forth 47 times. I'm calling you twice a year. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Give me some answers, man. Right, Shoot right. me an email. You yeah. know? I, I kind of compare it a little bit to the client-attorney relationship. Like, you're paying me hoping I'm expecting me to act in your best interest. Yes. Not not write it and quit it and not forget just, it. Yeah, get the know? sale, get the sale. Especially with something as complex as you guys. You I've, know? Got, I've got another question I've always wanted to ask somebody that I consider. You look like a kid in a candy store right now. Because I, I, I've got a thousand <laughs> questions, and they all parallel the insurance industry. So one question I have for you. And I told you we were going to get in the boat together when you came in here. Right on. I've given this a lot of thought, more thought than I should. You go into a restaurant. Don't care what restaurant it is. Don't care where you are. Somebody like Pete or a manager or someone in that restaurant comes up to you. How's the food? How's everything going? Well, most people, the majority of people in the United States of America do not want to be confrontational. They don't want to say anything negative. And this parallels the insurance agency as well, because Bradley and I can pick up the phone and call our customers and say, hey, I'm not calling you about anything other than I just want to know how your experience has been in in our insurance agency. And nine times out of ten, whether it's been good or bad, those people don't want to get into a confrontation with you and tell you exactly how they feel. I've always wondered, because I have people come up to me in restaurants all the time, managers, and, and they do it in kind of an, oh, by the way, hey, guys, how's your night? Or, you know, how's how's the food? Well, whether it's good or bad, all you do is say, oh, it's great. great. How do do you actually get, you know, valuable opinions on people like me that that don't mind confrontation and will say, you you know, actually, Pete, it kind of sucks. Right on. How do you do that? I'll tell you what, you know, the tough thing is with that is, you know, developing your managers. You have to to read the tables. You have to read the guests. You have to know that most people – won't complain. And you got to be able to look at the mirror and go, my standards are my standards. Right. I could have somebody leave going, that was amazing. And mm-hmm. I can go, we really shit the bed today. Mm-hmm. Right. Pardon right. my French. Right. But, no. you know, I may not be happy 
Um, I have to be happy with it. And I could mm-hmm. like say, well, you know, I hate, you know, you get these notes and we get our sales reports and everything every night and emails from the managers and they go, well, so-and-so had something and she got to a table late and greeted it short and things to, and they got upset and mm-hmm. we did this and I bought them dessert and they all left happy. And I'm like, well, sure they did. Right. You know, or I gave them a discount. We were, well, you know, free food or discounted food is still bad food if they, if we didn't get right. it right. Right. So we talk about reading you. the guests. Yeah. We, you know, get to the table. If I'm talking to you, I'm reading your body language. I'm looking at what you're eating and not eating. Right. I'm looking at the condition of the table. Is there excessive napkins? Is there plates that should be done or they haven't asked for stuff? Or right. we, we know they're here to eat and drink, right. anticipate their needs, keep the beverages full. If they want another beer, ask them all. So it's a good manager reads everything he can. And, you know, it's not about just the, hey, table visit. Hey, how's everything? Get in there and go, hey, where are you all from? You having good? Hey, man, what's going on with those? You know, you're not finished those burgers. Can I bring you something else? Right. Be assertive. Right. Because we just, we want them to leave happy. Right. We may make right. a bump or step along the way. I but love that so much. We want them to leave happy. You have to try to let them leave happy and not just, here's a free meal, a bad meal for free. You know, it's like, no, I want you to have a good meal. And I'm sitting here thinking of all the ways me and my staff can do that with our CRM. Like looking at that client account and being like, you know what I mean? Right, right. Reading the account. Okay, what's all going on with this? Is there a chance that this person may not be, don't assume because mm. they're still with you yeah. that they're 100% happy. Right, right. You know? And the best uh, example I can give to compare it, what you just said to, is my, my dad ran for circuit judge up in North Alabama back 10 or 15 years ago. He, he lost. He did not win. There were two counties combined, one voted everybody voted for him the other county everybody voted for the other guy and he lost by like 200 votes but i can remember being out politicking for him door to door and you literally exactly what you said walk up to somebody's door knock on it hey i'd like for you to support my dad for a circuit judge and you could read their body language and what they didn't say mm-hmm. or or how they said they would to know whether they were going to vote for him or not you know, the the people that were going to vote were like, Scott, I've known your dad for 30, 40, 50 years. Of course there I'm going to vote for him. Yep. The people that wouldn't, you could just read their body language, and they might say they were going to, but you could just kind of tell. And that happens to me a lot at restaurants is I'll be sitting there eating, and the food's not very good, and we didn't get exactly what we ordered, and the manager will come up, and he'll say, how's your food? And I'll say, oh, it's, 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 yeah, it's, we're fine. It, it's good. It's good. It's good. And, and, and if, if I'm that manager – Right then, I know. Well, that's not good. He's just not—he's not wanting to get into a confrontation. Absolutely. With me. And too many mediocre managers are going to go. Great. All right, check the table. They said everything was great. Yeah. I'm like, of course they, they always did. say that. Exactly. You know? Everybody but says that. You talk about that. I actually had somebody that works in my office in the uh-huh. bookkeeping department, and they ate lunch at uh, Ed's. And you know, for some reason, the grits weren't on point mm-hmm. that day. Mm-hmm. And she said, "Well, what about the grits? And are they supposed to be this and that?" I go, "Of course not. They're delicious. They're awesome." When did we make a mistake? Well, they were a little this. Uh, well, who did you did you tell the manager to tell anybody? Well, no, I didn't want to. I was like, "What? <laughs> You're part of the family." So yeah. I said, "If you got bad grits, don't think that they're supposed to be that way." Right, right, right. And now every other guest that got grits wow. got right. bad grits that day. Yeah, right. But she and she works. She's part of the family, but didn't want to be confrontational. Right. So yeah. it's like, wow, you have to you have to know that. You have yeah. to read that. You gotta be able to read between the lines and know what red flags to look for and how to take care of your clientele. So do you still keep in touch with Guy? Do you guys oh, still Oh yeah, care? all the time, man. Okay. We're um 
I just did. Um, he just got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Saw wow. that you were there. So right? I was there. I got invited out and to come and you know celebrate awesome. with them. They had a Food Network had a big party, mm. and um, you know they had one at his buddy's house. I spent the weekend. Uh, my wife and I up at his ranch in Northern California. We have a lot of fun. He's mm. a good dude. He's keeping up on Squid Ink, and mm. he's texting me about the kids and the wife and how's Jody. I mean, for as busy as he is, uh-huh. he he's a, a true friend, and and I was glad to get to know him before. You know, it really yeah. exploded. Yeah. yeah, right, right. So I have two questions, and then we'll wrap it up. Best piece of business advice you've ever been given? Oh, man. And you're really going to like the second question, but I'm going to wait. <laughs> Best piece of business advice. And it may be from Guy, maybe, you know. You know, uh, there's so much, it's hard to put, you know, yeah, into right. the best. But, you know, one of the one of the things that was most profound for me is, um, and I didn't realize it at the time, but I was I had, was awarded a fellowship at the CIA. I went to the Culinary Institute of America, and I worked for this Mater D who was uh-huh. 80-something years old, spoke seven languages. Mr. Bully was awesome. He said, you need to get a job where you don't have a boss breathing down your neck. <laughs> you know, he's recognized that entrepreneurial spirit in me. And my first job was at a cruise ship where, you know, home office was long ways away, right, right. no cell phones or internet. So that was something that later in life I realized he had a really good feel for my personality, my leadership personality, but business advice is just be consistent and work hard, you know? Yeah. I mean, and is it know, know who you are, have the self-awareness to know? That's very huge. You know, don't try to be somebody you're not, you know, uh, to me, I don't try to be everything to everybody because you can't be, do what you do and do it good. And if you do it well enough, you can develop a niche and you can make a good living. We're all here just to live life and make a good living. I don't, I don't need to feed everybody. I, I can't. Right, right. right. Best meal you've ever eaten? Ooh, wow. great question! Man, there's been so many good ones. Wow, the best! I, know, I haven't asked you your Sorry. best. I mean, it's like one yeah, of how can one you of say your, the best. One of you know, the best. Like, that, that's so not many good ones. That's not one of that's not yeah, a what, meal from what, his restaurant. Or, or what about one of your favorite meals? Yeah, I mean, one thing I really, really, really love Italian food because mm. um, it's simple and it's about the ingredients. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the cool things is, you know, the, being in the mess lords and traveling. I'll tell you probably one of the most surreal, some of the most surreal events I've had around simple food is in Japan. And, mm-hmm. I mean, ramen there is lights out. Mm-hmm. Like, it just feeds your soul. Mm-hmm. You know, yakitori on the street, mm-hmm. you know, is just mind-boggling. And, and, again, it's so much of what we try. When you go into Squid Ink and you look at what we did bringing out the history of Mobile and in the food with the Spanish, British, and French influence and some mm-hmm. of the – history of the restaurants that have been there over the last hundred years. The experience is huge. You know, the food is is the lead singer, but the experience is the whole band. You know, you got your quarterback, but you can't do anything without everything else. So it's all it's those memories, those moments, those views, those experiences that you just go, Oh my God, I just wish I could eat this all day or right. every day and it just takes you back. So And the people you're with when you're eating sometimes too. It Absolutely. Adds to that. There's you know. so many epic times that we right. celebrate food and drink with, you know, friends and family and right. It's I mean, I could go on. I could write a book about just those experiences, you know. There's <laughs> so many. Cool. What well, most famous person you've ever served a meal for to mm. or cooked a meal for? Famous? Uh, you know, I'll have to think a minute. You know, at Lady Bird Johnson, we catered for when I was up at the CIA. Bill Murray ate in there. I fed Liza Minnelli, Gene Hackman, you know, tons of athletes. Wow. wow. I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to think about that one. Slinging the famous, tough questions you know, like it's, late it's in long, the interview. Yeah, it's a long Caddy list. Caddy for President Ford, that was awesome, but I didn't feed him. I was just a busboy back then, you know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. A lot of great – I've met a lot of great – 
influential people, you know. I'm yeah. still chasing Gary Vee, as you know. You know <laughs> I'd love to make him a sandwich one day. But <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Pete, I want to say thank you for being here again, man. It means Thanks so Thanks for much having to us. me, guys. And I think there are so many parallels between the restaurant business and the insurance business in terms of customer experience, bringing people in, creating that personal brand. And I don't know of anybody that's done it any better than you have. And we really appreciate you coming in. Absolutely. Really enjoyed it. More parallels than we all know. You guys are right on the mark there. Well, guys, listen to me. Get your ass out from behind that desk and go out into the big bad world today and go sell insurance. I think Pete is probably as good of an example of this as any. Rewards come from action, not discussion. Get out there. Go sell insurance. Make money for your family. Make money for your wife, your husband, your kids. Write good business for the agencies that you represent and write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Love you too, buddy. Pete. Thanks, Pete. <laughs> Pete love I you guys. Love Amen. Hey, <laughs> guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys.